all the changes in the new beer bible. This is a Birvana audio blog. Please forgive verbal stumbles and fumbles. And when you're done listening, consider a tasty pint from one of my partners, the Guinness Brewery of Dublin, Ireland, and Baltimore, Maryland, Freem Family Brewers of Hood River, Oregon, and Rubens Brews of Seattle, Washington. Their support makes this site possible. The new second edition of the Beer Bible will be out a week from today. I am busily flogging it, as well as the book tour I'll be doing in October and November to support it. So you may be wondering, especially if you already own a copy of the first edition, what's new? Did I really need to update the book? I mean, how much can beer change in eight years since you finished the first draft? This also happens to be the first question reporters ask when they're doing a story on it. Well, the post will provide the full answer, but more briefly, yes, it was really necessary. As craft brewing spreads worldwide, we're seeing huge changes in the breweries making beer, the kind of beer they make, and the way consumers drink it. To put it in perspective, IPAs didn't become the best-selling craft style until uh, uh, 2011 in the United States. The phrase hazy IPA didn't exist when the first edition of the edition of the book was published, and now they're made worldwide along with a raft of new styles. Meanwhile, all that churn has dented the prospects of other styles, which edge closer to commercial extinction. The rework was an effort to address all that. The book length is roughly the same at around 230,000 words, but 50,000 are entirely new content. A slightly new structure. Trying to organize beer in a coherent way poses challenges no matter how you do it. The one request Workman made for the first edition was organizing it like this. Ales, lagers, wheat beers, and wild ales. That does not make sense. It's like dividing animals into fish, insects, mammals, birds, and blue. I actually had to battle a bit on the point for the second edition, but we settled on these sections. Classic lagers, classic ales, new and unusual styles, and wild ales. It's more descriptive and less taxonomical, though no doubt one could quibble. Perhaps in a future edition, I'll organize it by national tradition, a concept that heavily guides the book, even in its current arrangement. In terms of understanding beer, that framework does more to unpack where true styles came from and why they're made the way they are made than any I have encountered. I also wrote a full post on it, and you can find the link at my site. What's in, what's out? The biggest change in beer over the past 150 years has been the emergence of American craft brewing and the hoppy ales it generated. You can find American-style craft breweries literally everywhere in the world now, and most make an American-style IPA. Meanwhile, a bunch of styles I included in the American Ales chapter have mostly died out or basically versions of beers made elsewhere. Critically, the way Americans made beer from 1980 to 2010, lots of crystal malt, neutral yeasts, neutral base malts, and biting bitterness, has mostly vanished. Even when a brewery makes a pale or amber ale, They're made differently. So now all of this is addressed in a very long chapter I call American Hoppy Ales. Words like hazy, juicy, and milkshake are all included. I do my best to describe the bones of this transformation, and I designed it to be a bit more evergreen. I dumped the American Ales and Strong American Ales chapters, too, folding the still relevant info into the new chapter. Some styles already in decline when I wrote the first edition are headed towards extinction now. Brown ales and mild ales, which each got a separate chapter before, are combined now. In fact, the last time I was in the UK, I drank a lot of beer over the course of eight days and saw no, that's zero, nil, mild ales. 
the style is in real trouble. Finally, I included a range of different substyles in a long cha chapter on Belgian ales, and for the second edition, I demoted wit beer and included it in with the Belgian Brunes, Ambers, and Strong Ales, Strong Pales. The fortunes of Whitbeer are also in serious decline since their turn of the century heyday. One of my favorite parts of the new book are in-depth brewery profiles following the styles chapter. They highlight the tradition and brewing approach in a, an applied way. In some cases, it didn't make sense to replace these profiles, for example, DuPont and Schneider, but in many others it did. Here are the changes. Following the chapter on bitters, Sam Smith's has been replaced by Harvey's. Following IPA, Thornbridge was replaced by Cloudwater, which now follows Pale Ale. Porter and Stout, Fuller's was replaced by Guinness. American Ale, Double Mountain, the chapter was removed as is the brewery profile. Hoppy American Ales, added Breakside. Scottish Ale, Bellhaven replaced by Traquair House. Ales of the Rhine, Uriga, no change. Belgian Ales, added Brasserie de la Seine. Rustic Belgian Ales, DuPont, no change. French Ales, Saint-Germain replaced by Thierrier. Italian Ales, Leverbier replaced by Italiano. Trappist, Orval, no change. Weissbier, Schneider, no change. Pale Lager, Boudvar replaced by Urquell. Amber Lager, I added a chapter from Schweckett. Bach, Eyinger, no change. Rauchbier, Schleicherle, no change. Lambic, Cantillon and Bone, no change. Flanders Ales, Rodenbach, no change. Berliner Weisse, I added Schneeuille. Wild Ales, Allagash, no change. Other fun stuff. Even as, even as I sent the first edition manuscript off, I had regrets. Well, regret. I reduced one of the oldest and most interesting styles of beer still consumed by millions, unlike mild, to a section in a catch-all chapter. This time around, I wanted to do right by sake and give it the full chapter treatment. Thanks to Jeff Cialetti for guiding me. Guiding me. Similarly, in the years since for the first edition, Lars Garschel re revealed an amazing range of traditional beers in the Baltics and Scandinavia to English speakers. I traveled to Lithuania in 2019 to see part of this and wrote up a chapter on these amazing farmhouse ales. Finally, I hope people dig around and discover beer tour the tourism section. It's not new, although it is heavily altered and expanded. One thing I can confirm with iron certainty after my travels through foreign countries is that visiting local breweries is critical to understanding styles born there. While it's true that I tend to get deluxe tours when I visit, I've been on plenty of public ones as well, and you learn almost as much on those. Tour breweries! And I don't mean go to the pubs attached to breweries, get into the brew house and have a look around. I even have some extensive notes on the U.S. for in-country travel or if you live outside America. I'm pretty sure I missed a few things along the way, but that's probably good. I hope you find a few surprises if you pick up a copy, and please do.